0: there. I'm Kara Stevens, children's author, editor, and book coach, and the author of Picture Perfect, picture book writing secrets your editor wants you to know. I absolutely love helping writers make their picture book dreams a reality as they navigate the process from idea to final manuscript. I've been working one-on-one with authors for a long time, but I know that hiring a book coach or editor or taking a class isn't for everyone. That's why I've created this podcast. Welcome to episode three of Picture Perfect. This is the third podcast in the series where I break down the questions you should ask yourself as you go through the process of writing a picture book. If you'd like to access the checklist with all of the questions, sign up for my newsletter at com for a free PDF. A good writer tells a story. A great writer brings the reader into the story. It's the difference between saying the king died and then the queen died and saying The king died, and then the queen died of a broken heart. The first sentence tells you what happens, and the second one draws you in. The key to successful storytelling at any age is weaving a tale that is compelling. But if you don't hook the reader in right from the start, they won't stick around long, and they might not even pick up your book to begin with. This episode is all about that question. Are you making a great first impression with your book, and how can you tell? Well, the way you figure that out is to look at the title, the cover, and the first line. Just as when you're applying for a job, you have your resume, your cover letter, and your interview. Each one is an opportunity to make a great first impression, show the potential employer what a great fit you are, and also make sure you're a good match. And to use another metaphor, it's the same as when you go fishing. The fish takes the bait, they pick up the book. They get hooked by the title. And then you have to carefully reel them in with a great first line. If any one of them is a misstep or feels like a bad fit, the deal is off. Someone else gets the job, the fish swims away, and the book goes back on the shelf. Have I thoroughly confused you with my metaphors yet? Hopefully you're still with me. If not, don't worry. I'll get back to the meat of the podcast now. The saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover. But I would add a caveat to that, which is, don't judge a book by its cover unless you're a toddler or a preschooler, especially if you can't read, in which case you should always judge a book by its cover. Also, everyone judges books by their covers, which is why the warning is so persistently prevalent. It can't be helped. In fact, in thinking about it, I will correct myself and say never judge a book by its cover unless it's an actual book. Look, publishers and editors know what they're doing when they're putting your book together and packaging it in a way that it'll sell and get read and appeal to your target audience. And along that same line of thinking, you should also judge a book by its title and its back blurb. In the previous episode, we talked about a book as a factor of two people, the author and the reader. Because let's face it, if you're writing for yourself, it's a journal entry. But if you're writing for a young reader, you have an obligation and a goal to write something that your audience is actually excited to read before they even know what the story's about. Which brings me to my first point, the subject of your story. I'll tell you a little story. When my daughter was just a wee preschooler, she became obsessed with birthday parties. Her bear cotton candy had so many birthday parties that year, I lost count. It was only a matter of time before the obsession prompted a trip to our local library. At the library, we went to the computerized catalog and typed in picture books, birthday. We lived in a tiny old-fashioned town at the time with a tiny old-fashioned and delightfully quaint library. The books were also slightly old-fashioned. So on the shelves, we found a birthday for Francis of the Bread and Jam for Francis book, Happy Birthday to You by Dr. Seuss, Froggy's Birthday wish, and a handful of others. It didn't matter whether or not the books meant to teach a lesson. It was just a matter of the title and the cover. If there were no party decorations on the cover, back on the shelf it would go. The same goes with children's books about dinosaurs, ballet, princesses, baseball, bugs, or favorite TV characters. If you leave it up to kids, they're going to hunt for the familiar first. I've been working with an amazing editing client for the past few years, Once Upon a Dance. This mother-daughter team's Dance It Out series writes picture books about trolls, unicorns, valentines, monkeys, fairies, and magic that kids love, and they're also encouraging movement, as tips from ballerina Canora show readers how to reimagine the story through dance and movement. The goal of the books is instilling a love of dance and ballet, while also giving kids an opportunity to get their sillies out and find new ways to listen to a story interactively, and there are also some lovely lessons of love and acceptance along the way as well. The way I describe the series is, come for the unicorns, stay for the dance. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, How Do You Write, with Rachel Heron? I was catching up on some older episodes, and she was talking about finding ideas for your story. She said that if you have one idea, that's not enough for a story. Even two ideas may not be enough. It's the synthesis or coming together of ideas that creates a compelling story. Here's an example. Manners. Manners is really just a topic, and the story you craft is the vehicle for it. Kids are not going to run to the library and say, I want to read a book about using my best manners. I'd worry about a kid who did that, to be honest. But a kid is going to be attracted by a title like No Slurping, No Burping, or My Mouth is a Volcano. And if elephant and piggy are on the cover of the thank you book, a child will be drawn to our delightful familiar friends, while an adult will see the merit in a title. Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, wrote a book titled Tea for Ruby. Fans of Fancy Nancy will instantly be drawn to the cover, which features an illustration by Robin Price Glasser, who also illustrates the Fancy Nancy books in a very similar style. My daughter, back when she was picture book age, would have jumped for joy at a tea party book. In fact, that's exactly what the main character Ruby does when she gets invited to tea with the queen. She shouts and interrupts and gets so over-enthusiastic that adults keep reminding her to use her best manners when she goes to tea. I won't spoil the ending, but you see where it's going, right? Any super excited tea party obsessed little one can identify straight away with Ruby. The author found a niche, kids who love fancy tea parties and kids who nerd out about them, and used it to deliver an underlying message and theme. So if you have something you want to write about and introduce to kids, whether it's about animal rescue, identity, belonging, grief, friendship, or even the alphabet, remember that your story still needs to get a kid to nerd out right from the cover, the title, and what editors call the promise of the premise. To do that, you need to talk to your audience, listen to your audience, and write for your audience. To quote the great Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Kids know when they're being preached to, moralized, and fed a lesson, and they won't stand for it, not for long. So keep your message in mind, but deliver it with that spoonful of sugar, and they'll start asking you for it on their own. Now, once you draw your target reader in, and by target reader, I mean not only the little kid who gets excited to read your book, but also the person who buys it, whether it's a teacher, a parent, a relative, or a librarian, you still need to keep a kid's attention. That's where the first line comes in. That's the hook. And here's a little excerpt from my book, Picture Perfect. The biggest mistake writers make with beginnings is they think they have all the time in the world to tee up the story when they really only have the first page. Perhaps you're teeing up a question, like in the first page of If You Give a Mouse a Cookie by Laura Numeroff. The first page just says, if you give a mouse a cookie. Who wouldn't want to turn the page to see what happens next? Or perhaps you're teeing up a setting, like in the first page of Goodnight Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown. In the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of... Now, in your mind, you're probably completing the sentence, a cow jumping over the moon. But you have to turn the page to find out if you haven't read it before. Or even a character who is so compelling that you have to read on, like in Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. The night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind and another, His mother called him Wild Thing, and Max said, I'll eat you up. So he was sent to bed without eating anything. Draw the reader in at the very first moment, and you'll hook them for a good portion of the story. Of course, you'll have to keep them interested too, but if you don't have a solid beginning, they'll never get there. So, to recap, a title, cover, and first line are your three shots at a strong first impression that gives readers a reason to pick up your book. You could have the best storyline in the world, be the best writer, have the best illustrations, but if you can't get your readers to open the book or even pick it up off the shelf, they'll never get the chance to discover what you have to offer. You need to hook your young reader, hook the adult who is reading it to them, and draw them in with a compelling reason to keep reading. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Hit subscribe so you'll be notified when the next edition drops as we make our way through that picture-perfect picture book checklist together. And if you're antsy to learn all the lessons at once, you could find my book Picture Perfect by Kara J. Stevens, that's me, on amazon.com in ebook or paperback, or go to my website at karajstevens.com and sign up for that newsletter to get the checklist. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. See you next time.